0: Hello, and welcome to Business On Track, a podcast for business owners who are wanting to save time, earn more, and grow faster with their marketing. My name is Sanjay Souza, and in this podcast, we talk to business owners who have achieved success in finding the right balance to become the happy entrepreneur they always wanted to be. So I met uh, Chris Hall a few years ago at a network function, and Chris was talking about how he, him and his team actually raised two point five million dollars. Is that within twenty four hours or forty eight hours, or was it was a couple of weeks? Uh
1: no, I'd, I'd love it to be twenty four <laughs> hours. Yeah, that was uh, in under twenty nine days. Yeah.
0: Twenty nine? Oh, yeah, that's right. Within a, within a month. Anyway, yeah. that simply got my attention. You know, I just realised it is not. It didn't happen overnight. There, there would have been a lot of hours behind it and a lot of work behind it. But simply, really got my attention um, when Chris actually mentioned that. So ever since, we kept talking. Every time I speak to Chris, um, you know, he always add value to our conversations and help me out throughout my business journey. So I thought, why not let's uh, let's take Chris on one of one of these podcasts and um, share a bit of bit of his wisdom with everyone else. So here's Chris. How are you, Chris?
1: Good, mate. And can I say, I really respect the fact that you've remembered meeting. You, you attend so many networking events. I see you out there everywhere. So the fact that you remember that one, uh, well done. Kudos uh, to you.
0: Mate, um, important things you remember. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> right, so let's, uh, let's start with this. Um, I, we just had this conversation just offline just before. Mm. UMI is the company mm-hmm. uh, company um, you, uh, you and your team actually set up. And tell me a bit about this uh, UMI and uh, how the name came about. And mm-hmm. tell me a bit about um, how it all unfolded.
1: Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I was joking with you that uh, you know, if ever I write a book, then uh, I'd call the book, you know, how to raise over $2 million in under 29 days. Um, but like all book titles it's never going to actually capture the, the true story of what happened and uh, and I guess everyone always likes to talk about the, the romantic headline of things uh, <laughs> without actually recognizing the uh, you know all the, the hard work that goes in behind it but um, yeah look that that was a project um, going back a couple of years ago now but um, I'd been in the, the consumer electronics industry for uh, at that stage, uh, sort of over over 20 years, uh, going right back to the days of sort of Walkman and VCRs and um, all the, the fun toys. Uh, and then kind of, uh, yeah, ended up in this world of IoT and uh, connected products. So, so we were just exploring the idea of, uh, of what we might be able to do within that space. And at the time, crowdfunding was, um, was pretty hot. So uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo uh, were the two key companies there. And um, yeah, we thought it'd be a, a great opportunity to to kind of just uh, test our um, test our skills in that uh, in that marketplace. And um, yeah, look, at, it went really well. But behind the scenes on that, it was at least you know sort of six months of planning, um, and then I'd say you know at least ten years of uh, of learning curve to kind of pick everything up to be able to get to that point where we we raised the money that we did.
0: That's that's awesome, man. I, I have seen after, after I actually looked at Umi, um, I looked, mm-hmm. at, looked online and I saw you have made guest appearance on, uh, on you know, channels and all sorts of things. So that's, that's probably all behind the scene, building up to that big moment of um, very interesting 30 days. Um, so how important to have, to build that credibility And also, you know, build those little blocks before you approach this sort of crowdfunding approach.
1: One of the the interesting things in the space of, um, and I guess this applies really to to any startup, but um, until your brand is known, you need to leverage your personal brand. Um, So... And it's, it's kind of one of those catch-22 situations where you know, ultimately you want to take your baby out to market and kind of let everyone know what it is. But in the end, people uh, associate with people. And uh, so it's the backstory behind that. And it's really understanding the importance of personal brand Uh, that plays. So one of the the strategies that we actually played during that campaign, uh, some of the key members were located in um, uh, all all corners of the globe. Uh, So uh, Winston was actually based directly in in Shenzhen in China. Uh, We also had Colin over in Chicago in uh, um, in the US Uh, and of course uh, me down here in uh, Melbourne, Australia and um, and what that allowed us to do was actually be able to um, almost get that local hero story from the local publications. So uh, immediately we got press within um, within China. They were talking about their local boy doing a you know local activity, but the same story was told also in Australia and in uh, the US. So um, so we had good coverage there. But in the early stages, that was really about leveraging personal brands. So helping people understand that we were from the industry, what we were building was for the industry. Um, So what that did was really um, set us up as peers as opposed to experts um, and really tapping into that passion that we knew people had for within this area Um, You know, tech enthusiasts are an interesting breed, Um, and so really, what they want to want to know is that uh, you know, you get the product, you get them, you kind of you understand what uh, you know what the the passion and the fun part of of tech is actually about, um, as opposed to that sort of you know, this is what it does. Um, They they still want to know more of a story underneath that. So, look, massively important the the way that we we took it out to press. Um, was really designed based on let's build our personal profiles, move that into the brand, um, and then hopefully move that into a, a successful campaign.
0: Well, it is interesting. I mean, Zoom is very popular now, and it is it is everyone widely you know everyone's actually using it. But back you know a few years back, having mm-hmm. a group together from different different continent is would mm-hmm. have been a challenge, and and it is. You know for for now it is not it's not um it, you know everyone's doing it but back in the days this is a few years back so ke- mm-hmm. keeping the team together and how important was the keeping accountability how did you manage uh, to keep everyone accountable for uh, you know moving forward
1: um look a challenge yes as far as um uh, at times and, and time zones um and i know you know even in um uh, in other work that i've done where i'm where i've been working with mm-hmm. india um, and the U.S. at the same time. Now, Australia is in one of those fortunate time zones where we're very close with Asia, uh, so we're only a couple of hours behind, and um, that kind of works. But the minute you start talking about working with India and America, uh, and especially in America, it's the it's completely upside down. So, yeah. you know, your, your mornings will start at uh, 6 a.m. Um, you know, you'll go through till late evenings um, when you start jumping online with all the, the dev team in uh, the Asian countries. And... Um, And look, I I think first and foremost, uh, and again, this is where we're seeing some great innovation happen in uh, collaboration software. Um, So if you look now, you've got things like Slack and uh, a number of different tools that you can use to be able to to collaborate online and and share things across. But um, video goes only so far um, to be able to sort of create that that personal connection and personal dynamic. Uh, But it does help sometimes. You can't uh, always do everything via... Via text, uh, but yeah, look from, from an accountability, it's it's not dissimilar to, to anything else. It's uh, it's strategy planning. Um, you know, most people would be familiar with a with a Gantt chart, uh, where you effectively kind of lay everything out in timeframes and what needs to be achieved. And then, really, I find the the key bits are the the touch points with that, the crossovers, the handovers. Um, So if there's four members in the team, if three of them are waiting on delivery of one, it needs to be communicated with that one person that those three are waiting uh, for the next step. Um, So they need to understand their importance with everything everything else. Uh, So much easier to manage these days with uh, with software. Uh, But I think that's the the exciting part about the world we're in now is that uh, these problems aren't unique. Um, They're they're consistent for every, every business owner. Um, and we're we're just fortunate enough to have a whole bunch of clever people out there making software to um, you know to fix these solutions so yeah
0: well look um, my next question is I'm going to be biased here because my my area is marketing so I'm just gonna try uh, trying to gel this your experience and your wisdom with uh, with my industry and my my area so mm-hmm. look um when 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 I speak to clients I always uh, try to uh, emphasize the importance of having a marketing strategy throughout the year uh, rather than just having ad hoc sort of one-off sort of uh, marketing things which never works. Um, Mm -hmm. I think offline you and I had this discussion you know people actually just do uh, uh, maybe one or two marketing posts or social media posts and expect uh, customers or clients to just like them and buy from them but you know that's not the reality. You know you need to consistently um, uh, add value to the you know your conversations, and it need to be consistent for people to start trusting you. So, so my probably my question is, um, how do you see the marketing strategy having a marketing strategy throughout a whole year rather than just having random marketing um, rubbish? <laughs> So <laughs> random marketing rubbish. rubbish.
1: <laughs> um, so, look, as you know, in my in my current role, uh, I work with a lot of startups with the the um, the accelerator work that we do, and um, we have a model uh, that we lay out, which is called awareness, acceptance, and aspiration. And um, you know, to explain it very simply, I guess uh, we all intuitively understand what that journey looks like, and it is a, a storytelling journey, but. Um, I say intuitively, we know that you wouldn't walk up to someone and say, "Hi, my name's Chris. How do you like me so far?" Um, But that just <laughs> it doesn't resonate well with people. It's like, I don't even know who you are yet. Yeah. Um, you you haven't even the right to ask me how I feel about you until I actually know who you are. So, so the cycle there is about awareness, acceptance, and aspiration, and and it starts with awareness. Um, if um, if people don't know that you exist, your brand exists, your book exists, your um, your product, service offering, um, then you can't. Um, talk them into uh, what it is that you're actually doing Um, and that should never be what your goal is it's not about convincing people on something it's about forming a relationship so so awareness is simply that it's about finding the avenues Uh, we talk a lot about customer profile um, but who are they Uh, You should understand that intimately. Um, You should know who they are, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, um, you know, what they do in the morning when they wake up. You know, as much detail as you can around who they are as a person um, is really what it's about in terms of identifying where they live and then work out how you can raise the awareness around that. Once you've raised that awareness, then you move it into acceptance. Um, And by acceptance, I mean, if you start talking about your product service offering book, Um, You want them to accept the idea that, hey, this this person seems to know what they're talking about, Um, I'm comfortable now with the the space that they're in, I accept the fact that when I am searching for this kind of information, product, service, that this might be a go-to person for me. Um, And that acceptance part is, um, you know, very subtle. And again, you can't force that down people's throat. Um, But uh, it sort of becomes a, you become a go-to person within that area. Um, A a key person of influence, uh, many different ways you can explain that. Uh, And then aspiration is really, I guess, that, that marketing piece where you're giving people a reason to reach out to you. Um, so once you raise that awareness piece, hey, I know that you're there. I know that you exist. I'll keep that in mind. Acceptance being at some point when I'm ready, I'll get in touch with you. Aspiration is now, hey, I know you might not be ready, but we should talk. Um, and that's a, a process that you really need to go through as a journey. And, and as I said, everything is about storytelling. Um, You know, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, um, any part of your business, people need to understand the story in order to be able to buy into it. And that stuff takes time. So um, I I always take a chuckle over, you know, some of these campaigns where they say, you know, we'll run some Facebook ads and get your results within, uh, you know, 24 hours. And and I just think it's it's not possible. Um, You know, you might be able to get some immediate kind of, you know, I'm cheaper than everyone else or or, something. Yeah, find those sort of areas that you get a result on. But any true meaningful relationship with people where they're buying into what it is that you do, that takes time. Um, So as I say to to all startups, you know, you, you really want to make sure that you're laying the groundwork for that very early in the piece. But as all things, be careful what you ask for because it might come true. Um, so don't ramp up too early. Uh, don't ramp up until you know that you're ready to start conveying that story to people. Um, and even the simple things of being able to, to close the sale. Yeah. It's one thing to go out and say to people, hey, I'm here, here's what I'm doing. And they come back and say, terrific, I'd like to buy. And then you don't have an e-commerce store or you don't have, you know, a, a way to do the transaction. So, so this stuff all needs to run in parallel uh, to each other. Um, but building brand awareness uh, is where it sort of begins and then moving people into a point where they feel prompted to, uh, to get in touch with you and, uh, and find out more.
0: Well, I, I remember um, at one point, one of my mentors actually told me, you need to know everything about your target audience or your clients or your, who you're pitching to. You need to know everything except for who they're sleeping with and that, that was actually a really good um, like you know it just <laughs> it actually just uh, resonated with me because it, it because it is funny and it is the same same time it is true and yeah. also the other thing um, we've found in 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 our business too people might see something online or uh, something we promote but they probably not ready or they don't necessarily need that at that point but if you keep reminding them Um, that actually create that go-to person if you if you uh, had the same message for a for a while so you know after six uh, seven months they when they're ready when they have uh, when they need that service they probably uh, come to you so keep adding value is was um was my was something I've, i've been um told from from everybody to just do keep adding value and keep uh, reminding them that, that you're out there, uh, not necessarily trying to sell them, but um, just remind them that you are out there. So otherwise you will be just warming warming up your prospects to your competitors if you just do one thing and just disappear.
1: Um, well, it comes back to that, uh, that idea of um, know the problem that you're solving, Yeah, yeah. understand the, the pain points. Um, and this is really when, when we talk about understanding who your target customer is or, you know, where you're wanting to get those eyeballs and attention from, you know, understanding their pain points actually comes into every part of your business from a product design side, all the way through to, to marketing. And we see a lot of that in tech. There's a, a tendency in the in the world of tech to kind of go out and say, hey, here's my solution. Now you tell me the problem. And it kind of doesn't really work like that, yeah? Um, you know, you need to understand what the problem is that you're actually addressing. Um, and then if you can tap in on that pain point and offer a solution to that, um, you'll certainly get more eyeballs and attention um, when you, you understand that, because that's ultimately everything is solving a problem for somebody. Yeah. Um, and it uh, yeah it needs to come through in, in every part of business that you do. Uh,
0: Chris, um, you know, your you know for the for the time I know you you're very passionate about businesses and you know people are people doing businesses that's why we we're we're still having this conversation um what makes you why 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 do you want to do why you want to get into this business world um why didn't you just uh think about from the beginning just uh you know do a nine to five and go home and just stay with your family
1: (laughs) um so I guess look two parts there one um uh, again something i say to, to all the startups is very quickly you've got to learn to love the game um, and that's the one thing i say to anyone going into business is that um, uh, you know there's that whole saying of you know don't uh, don't hate the game or don't hate the players hate the game or yeah, something, something like, like that, that. <laughs> but, but the reality behind business is that uh, you need to learn to love the game um and uh, if because if you don't enjoy it um, it's going to be a very hard slog for you. Um, so part and parcel of that, I guess, then learning to love the game, um, I guess I've taken that to the next level. Um, I adore the game. I live for the game, yeah? Like this This is sort of for me, uh, uh, you know, I, I love that journey piece and I love that early stage of vision to version uh, where you sort of have that spark of an idea and then how do you take that into something tangible, uh, into something uh, deliverable? Um, so there's that piece around, I guess, you know, the, the passion behind you know, what uh, what that brings. Um, but the second part too is that I, I firmly believe that entrepreneurship is the most legitimate path of self-discovery. Yes. Um, I think it's, uh, it's one of those areas that it will challenge you in ways that you don't get challenged in normal life. Um, it's putting you in areas of not your comfort zone, uh, but areas that you need to kind of push yourself, you need to learn new things, you need to learn how to work with people, you need to you know, understand and see things with empathy, you need to be curious, You, all of these, these skills that you kind of, you, you know, in day to day life, you don't really need to apply them until you kind of stretch those limits. And that's what being an entrepreneur will allow you to do. Uh, it'll allow you to be able to sort of experiment with your ideas um, to kind of you know, learn more about yourself, learn more about others um, and actually enjoy the game. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, if, if I look back on, you know, 20 odd years in uh, in this area, you know, you, you start to find like-minded people. You know, you start to find people who think the same way and who are wired the same way. And once you start getting that dynamic uh, together, there's something that feels right about it, yeah? Um, and so that's why, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I can't ever see myself at any point, you know, not being involved in these kind of discussions because I love nothing more than, Know, jumping online at the moment, but uh, you know when we've got our our setup and our co-working facilities to you know to have someone come in for a meeting and say, "Hey, I've got this idea. You know, I'm thinking about doing this." It's uh, you know, let's roll up the sleeves, let's go out there, let's uh, see what we can build. Um, and then when it does pull off, when it does work, um, there's a there's a sense of satisfaction that. Uh, you, you you really can't replicate with anything else. I'm sure heroin's close, but I haven't got anything to justify <laughs> so, uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> I've never done that. With that uh, so. <laughs> the, 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 very interesting you say that. I mean, it is, it is similar uh, to my experience on entrepreneurship as well. I mean, the doctors and engineers yeah, of course they get paid. I don't know how much they get paid, but I think they they're definitely enjoying doing their job, you know, saving lives for them and building something and looking at them and all that stuff. And I and I really uh, sometimes I, I I really, it's very depressing when people actually do business, but they're not enjoying doing business. Look, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think is, you know, when you start up a business, you're, you have that energy, you have everything um, and you're, you're willing to take risks and all that stuff. And then when you set up a business, once you have, when you're in the business, you become a, a business owner. And then all of a sudden, all these mechanical things come into play and you're, you're prioritizing all these uh, the, the processes and all that, like your time to, to do all those things. And all of a sudden, you lose that entrepreneurship spirit. Mm-hmm. the fun mm-hmm. you had. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't keep a track of that, you know, you're not going to enjoy doing business anymore. I mean, that's something I see in the business community quite a bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah look, I think, um, and again, it's this dichotomy of, uh, uh, of different ways that you need to feel and think as you're going through this process, because you know, as an entrepreneur, You need to have an unreasonable belief in yourself. Um, You know, you've got to push through those disbeliefs that you're going to have, you know, when it it comes as simple as imposter syndrome, or it might be that sort of feedback from others of saying, why are you putting in all this hard work? Just go get a job. It's, uh, you'll get paid the same, you'll get the same sort of reward out of it. And so unreasonable belief is what really brings you into it. And unless you have that, you're going to be finding it really difficult to kind of push through those those challenges. There's then also that piece around contagious enthusiasm, you know, never underestimate your passion for what you're doing to be able to convey that across to others and have them buy into that passion as well. Um, So you need to have that contagious enthusiasm uh, in order to be able to convey, you know, everything it is about your your product service offering uh, around it. But the third part is really don't buy into your own bullshit, um, because the 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 problem that can happen is that you end up in this space of kind of believing that you can do everything and push through everything, um, and that's that's not the case. There's going to be times where you have to seek help. There's going to be times where you need to stop on the journey and kind of look at what's going on. Um, and again. You know, these, these are cliches for a reason, yeah? And um, you'll read it in every business textbook, but they'll, they'll talk about the, you know, you need to work on the business and not just in the business. And But it's a real thing, yeah? Like if you just start going through the paces um, of what you're doing, you'll eventually get to a point where you'll kind of put your head up like a meerkat and look around and realise that, hang on, I've got a bit of work to do here or I'm working on my business. And that's when it becomes more of a challenge than what it should be. Um, so I think stopping on the journey you know taking assessment of where you're at not buying into your own bullshit but having an uh you know uh, a resolve to what you're doing knowing with confidence that you can push through that um and i think that's that unique superpower that somebody has when they're a successful entrepreneur is that they can balance that in a way that doesn't become ego it yeah. just becomes quiet confidence yeah
0: I think it's all about balancing and just having an open mind and move forward you know when you and and to be honest look I was going to ask you this um, I normally ask from everyone what 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 do you um, what skills do you think you you wish you have learned a little bit more um, in school I mean uh, the school system I mean I, I don't like to you know say bad things about school system but um, there is not much support for entrepreneurship in in school systems it is all about getting asbs and get, getting 90s and 80s and all that stuff i didn't quite enjoy my school uh, days that wasn't actually my cup of tea um what skills do you think you should have you know focused a little bit more and what do you think uh, we should include in a, in a in a in our school system to help entrepreneurship
1: you're opening up a can of words here. actually. <laughs> <I would laughs> We're going to need more than half an hour if I open that can completely. But uh, look, I'll uh, I'll give you a bit of perspective leading into sort of what my thoughts are on that. You know, perspective-wise, I I finished high school in 1992, so that's going to start to give you an indication of just how how old I am. Um, but uh, you know, when when I was going through uh, school, we were just starting to talk about using computers. Internet wasn't around, yeah, um, and so you know, leaving school, you've got kind of to go through those years following school where it's just, it's it's completely self-absorbed, yeah? It's just about having fun, um, and so it should be. I'm saying the same thing to my daughter now who's, uh, you know, just finished Year 12, and it's you know, go off and enjoy life, make mistakes, uh, you know, have fun with this all, because, you know, unfortunately, life gets a bit more serious, uh, mm-hmm. you know, later on uh, later on down the path. So I think, you know, from a from a perspective point of view, one of my uh, biggest and I won't say it's a regret because it's nothing I had control over. But um, because I really wasn't exposed to that computer side, um, it, you know, it became more of a, just like everyone else, the, oh, what's this internet thing about, you know, connect to it, dial up, you know, yeah. this is interesting, check out Yahoo, you know, it's kind of, that's the evolutionary process you go through. Um, and so this world around um, around coding, um, around understanding behind the scenes, Um, on what was going on, I I feel I missed that opportunity um, because I was more of a consumer than a creator during that time. Um, And it wasn't really until later life that I started to appreciate um, you know what these these amazing geniuses were were able to do. You know, with coding together ideas and sort of building out software solutions. And that's, I guess, why I ended up in the space that I did in the world of tech. Because I I respect the genius of people who can see the world in code. Um, and uh, I've got myself to a point now where I can kind of look over a shoulder and understand what they're typing. Uh, I can kind of understand the output of what it's going to do. But uh, it's a little bit like speaking another language and understanding another language. Um, You know, it's uh, they're two very different things to be confident to talk about it. I would never try and sit down and uh, and code, but I I certainly respect that piece. So I think you know, if ever there was a, I wish I had that in school because of the timing of when I went through, that was never available. Um, But certainly, that's that's something I would have loved to uh, to explore more. Put it in the context now. Fast forward many years, um, and where we're at today. Um, I think, personally, one of the most frustrating things that I, I experienced through my own kids going through school is that the, the dynamics have changed completely. Um, it used to be really seen as you would go to a classroom and the person standing there teaching you knew more about whatever was being discussed than you did. And I think the reality is now kids know that this knows more than any teacher knows about what they're teaching. They've got knowledge at their fingertips. So we've still got this curriculum and system that's designed around one person sharing their knowledge with you yep. when in reality the kids know that they've got knowledge on tap. Yep. So it's no longer about learning these things in that respect. Um, it's about sort of understanding the application of knowledge yep. as opposed to you know picking up that, that knowledge. So yep. and I don't think the school system's evolved with that. Yep. The second part that's frustrating is I I don't know why we haven't worked out how to teach emotional intelligence. So IQ is one thing, and it's fantastic that they're learning knowledge, but emotional intelligence isn't something you can get from Google. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as I know, we can't jump into Google today and say, who am I, and give us an accurate answer. Now, that's another conversation because Google actually knows who I am probably better than, than I do. <laughs> but they're not. I can't Google that. I can't find that out. So yeah. understanding yourself and understanding others, you know, those core qualities around emotional intelligence... I feel that we need to be talking about that more in schools yeah. um, because if we look at the kids leaving school now, you know, these, these, these kids are not going to have a traditional linear career path. Yeah. Uh, it's not as though they're going to walk into a job and work all the way through to the gold watch and then retire. Those days are, are gone. You know, so why are we not focusing more on building our kids up with resilience? Uh, Because what's going to happen is that they're going to learn a job, pick up a skill, find that replaced by artificial intelligence or robotics or Industry 4.0, and have to relearn something new again. Um, Now, relearning isn't the issue. Getting information is not the issue. As I said, they've got that at their fingertips. But if they don't have the resilience to be able to push through that, if they don't have the ability to be able to check in with themselves, check in with others, view the world in a way where they understand where these opportunities lie... I think that should be taught more in schools uh, today as opposed to just simply here's how you do trigonometry um you know because uh you know the other thing i chuckle at is uh you know they always said when we were in school it's not as though you're always going to have a calculator in your pocket well sorry but i do you know <laughs> like, and that's that's the thing it's more than just a calculator in my pocket it's it's access to all the knowledge ever in the history of man is available to me. We live at a time that, you know, is is completely unique in that respect. So, you know, we need to stop and look at that and understand the impact that that's going to have. Um, and I guess the, the third piece then is just simply the fact that, you know, the, the the system itself is really designed still on these archaic legacy models, not just in curriculum, but I think the idea when my kids... You know talk to my grandkids and say, you know what, we used to actually wake up in the morning and we'd all go into a building to listen to a teacher. And <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm sure my grandkids will sit there and say, why would you do that? Like it does, you can learn so much online, you can achieve that online. So I think if anything, the last two years has shown us how much we can achieve with this yeah. kind of thing. Um, and so I think the the transition is inevitable. Um, but the the system really needs to catch up with where we're at. Um, and take stock of this fast-moving world that we're in, because what we're teaching kids for today won't exist in five years, and we're creating some lost souls with no pathways. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it really needs to change, and it needs to change
0: quickly. Yeah, uh, uh, you know the the schools is not a place you you go to get knowledge anymore because knowledge can be accessed very easily it is the application part we're missing in schools that's what i've that's what i was actually um uh, you know frustrated as well it's in knowledge you can access with your in your fingertips it's just the application we need to train more more people to how to use the knowledge the right way um that mm-hmm. no, thank you chris that is that is awesome i mean this is this is probably a good conversation we can have offline now uh, uh for for a day and that was or kind so. of as well
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, look, I know you're doing amazing work with uh, Innovation Crowd. Um, Would you like to share a little bit about Innovation Crowd and what's that all about and what do you do with uh, Innovation Crowd?
1: So um, going back about three years ago, Launch Vic, which is uh, effectively our um, our state uh, run startup um, organization to support startups and entrepreneurship throughout Victoria. Uh, set up some funding avenues to be able to support the startup ecosystems in sort of north, south, east and west of Victoria. So at the time it was very um, cluster focus on CBD and uh, there was really no support for those outer fringe areas. And um, the opportunity came up to to build up that startup startup ecosystem in the, the southeast. Um, And uh, for me personally, the Southeast has always been been home. Um, So I've been out this way for for 20 odd years. You know, watched it. uh, uh, (laughs) Um, But literally, you know, I remember moving into Berwick, and then you know, saying to friends, you know, they'd say, "Oh, where's Berwick?" And I'd say, "You know, turn (laughs) left at the tree and right at the lazy cow, and uh, you'll you'll get there." It was the end of the line at the time, but uh, you know, now obviously it's it's changed. So it's it's the biggest growth corridor in Australia. Um, so inevitably, with that many people, you're you're bound to have a few little clever people out there working on some stuff. So, so we knew it existed as a culture out here, but they just had nowhere to go to tap into those resources. Um, so through that launch week funding, I was fortunate enough that uh, we put together a program which was an accelerator program, really designed to, I guess. Um, find them, nurture them and retain them. So what we wanted to do was find that local talent, nurture them through the early stages of um, ideation to validation and and scale, uh, and then retain them uh, from the point of view that we want to create local economies uh, with local investment, local jobs and local support. So so that was the premise behind the, the program that we set up. It was funded for 12 months. Um, so I signed up for a fixed 10-year period um, just to, to get the, the program up and running. Um, and then when it got to, to 12 months, they kind of turned around and said, well, is there any chance you might be able to hang around for another year um, and just see if we could take that to the, the next level? So, you know, gladly signed up for another year to, to see what we could do there and um, you know, kind of raise that level again and, and built out the community even bigger. And then now I'm, I'm three years in, so I'm feeling it's a little bit like Hotel California that you can <laughs> take in anytime you like, but you can never leave. So, um, but yeah, so we've got some, some big things planned. Uh, predominantly, what we work with is more than just startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, what we're looking at as part of the economic development function is uh, better understanding the role that innovation will play on the rebuild. So, if you look at the disruption that's happened off the back of COVID. You know, traditional industries and businesses have really been challenged by lockdown restrictions, et cetera. But we're finding now as we're moving into this, you know, post-COVID world, um, and I say that touching wood, hoping that we are uh, post-COVID, that we don't get a Omicron version 2.3. But I think the, you know, as we move into this new world, exploring the role that innovation will play in building back better. So our premise behind that is, the system has been torn apart. And when we build it back, we now have an opportunity to actually anchor in some of these discussions that have been in the too hard basket. As we look at sort of social impact causes for business, when we look at uh, you know, circular economy and uh, you know sustainable methods of doing business, they're very hard to bring into business as usual. But the reality is there is no business as usual anymore. Yeah. Um, so as we're rebuilding up, it's going to require innovative thinking. It's going to require new ways of thinking. Um, so I guess I see the, the opportunity in the role that I'm in, not just to help those people who say, hey, Chris, I think I've got a good business idea, uh, but to actually start to bring in um, some of these ideals that are going to take us through the next decade, you know, 50 years um, into that that sort of next world that we all know we can get to, but sometimes it seems hard to, to achieve it. So that's some big thinking there, but uh, yeah, that's what we're we're out to achieve.
0: So, what's uh, what's coming up uh, with the Innovation Crowd uh, soon or very soon, um, Chris?
1: So, there's the most exciting thing is that we're actually going to physically see each other again. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. You know, <laughs> after two years of, of this, and look, you know, thank God for Zoom and thank God for Microsoft Teams, um, but. You just don't get the energy transfer that you get when you meet with people in, uh, you know, in in person. Um, And I think the other challenging part is that whenever you jump on these kind of things, they're always very agenda driven. Uh, They're always very, you know, intent. I'm sitting here looking at you. I would never look at you this intently if we were sitting in a meeting room. (laughs) Um, Yet here we are kind of staring at each other in this format, you know, talking about things that are all very driven by, you know, conversation. Um, and those serendipitous run-ins that you'll respect, you know, being the um, the serial networker that you are, and uh, knowing so many people in the community, you look at how we met. You know, those kind of meetings only happen uh, in person. When you run, you, you can't recreate that online. So, so we, you know, of all the things that we're, we're going to be doing, which is hackathons and think tanks and uh, summits and uh, you know workshops and you know a whole bunch of uh, support. Uh, programs underneath our innovation crowd, the one thing I'm looking forward to is our humble hustle, um, which is basically just uh, an event where we get a whole bunch of startups in um, and we talk business. Um, And when I say we talk business, you know, not in a way where it's lecture style or, uh, you know, leave your notepad and pen at home and your uh, your laptop at home because it's more about discovering what other people are doing, looking for collaboration, looking yeah. for opportunities to be able to work together. Um, you know, we just haven't been able to do that in this environment. So. Yeah,
0: and also just, um, just reminding everybody, you're not alone. There's a whole community and that feeling, I mean, I've, I've been to your... Um, um, all these meetings and um, or catch ups and it is it is more it just I I feel like I'm not alone I'm not having this um, you know struggle by myself or you know going through this journey by myself there's a whole community behind us so it actually inspires each other no that's uh, that's that's really great Um, now look I would love to you know I love to talk to you every time I speak to you I gather you know very valuable information and also just I, I you know i i feel like i'm top of the world every time i have a conversation with you could, um but um we'll do that offline however where can we find you uh where if someone wants to reach out to you and you know ask anything where can we find you
1: uh so easiest way would be um backing business in casey um if you, you google that um then uh, you'll find the innovation crowd um, if you send any inquiry through there, uh, it actually comes directly to my inbox. So um, that's probably the, the shortcut method of, uh, of getting in touch. You know, LinkedIn is uh, is my preferred format for making new connections and new people. So, um, you know, searching for Chris Hall and looking for the, uh, the, the best looking guy, you'll find me. Um, but um, look, there's you know, many ways you can you can get in touch. Uh, you know through through other people that we know. So, um, but uh, you know, definitely shortcut wise, if they're listening to this, they probably know you. Um, you know, to say, uh, "Hey, can I chat to Chris Hall?" Um, I'm sure you'd be happy to accommodate that.
0: Hundred percent. Look, mm. Chris, thank you so much. Um, I I I still don't know how to wrap things up in a podcast but um, look I'm just going to say thank you very much uh, for all the everything you shared with us I mean it is amazing uh, when when you speak to someone you know passionate about business and finding the the same like-minded people it's it's awesome in this world because business is daunting and very confusing sometimes you need to have a community behind you just to just to have that we uh, just to have fun doing business you know so thank you so much for uh, everything you've done for me over the years and everything you're doing for the business community so we'll catch up some other time
1: and yeah. sanjay just before we, we drop offline and i just want to say you know one thank you for uh you know putting aside the time for a chat um but kudos for the the work that you're doing with uh, business on track i think it's uh it's it's fantastic you, you've identified this real area that you know we 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 see as a constant challenge every day. Um and so I think you know the the team that you've built underneath that um you know the the kind of value that you're looking at offering back um I think you're uh, you're gonna have some fun uh with that over the, the next few years. Um and I've got no doubt you're gonna be able to offer uh, an amazing amount of value back to uh, to people as they discover more about what it is that you do. So look Thank forward to, to watching <laughs> that grow. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Uh, all right all right um you have a Good afternoon and I am I'm pretty sure we'll catch up and we'll have these sort of conversations uh, again and again in the future. Thank you. Cheers mate. Thank you for listening to the Business on Track podcast. Our aim is to inspire entrepreneurs in finding the right balance that helps them grow through strategic marketing. You can find out more about how Business on Track can help you by visiting our LinkedIn page or by visiting our website businessontrack.com.au.